0: So, before we start this, we're going to be talking about murder, maybe some gory things, um, sexual content, like yes, some heavy viewer discretion that is advised. Hello, everyone. Hi. And we are back. Bum, bum, ba, ba, ba. I'm here. Hearing- <laughs> yeah, this one has. Dusting off the um, books from the lovely nightstand table, we're going to talk about The Haunting in Connecticut, which you've all been waiting for. So to briefly touch up The Haunting in Connecticut, this is where we talk about our famous Ed and Lorraine Warrens with the Demonology Investigators along with the Snedeker family. As you all know, the Snedeker family, they moved into a colonial house um, where it used to be a funeral home. And then the future people made it like a rental space. They had a top floor and a bottom floor. And, of course, the bottom floor was for the Snedeker family. We're going to get into it now. We're going to talk about part two of The Haunting in Connecticut. So everybody sit down, relax, grab a blanket, light have a Celsius. candle, have a cup of tea, a Celsius, some water, I don't know, whatever you want to drink. That's your, that's your <laughs> choice. So first off, we're going to start with talking about the unusual and the strange experiences in the Snedeker home. Stephen asks both of his parents if him and Michael can share a room together in the basement. Because, as we know, Stephen was afraid to sleep down there alone. And he was spending his nights sleeping in the living room until Michael came home from his grandmother's house. That was the sick one. Yes. Stephen is the sick son who has cancer. So, Carmen and Al ask their son Stephen why he wouldn't want his own room. Stephen replies back to his parents that he doesn't want to be alone. Michael states to his parents that he doesn't mind sharing a room with his brother, Stephen. The boys then start moving their things down into their new room. While the boys were settling into their new space, Michael asks his brother what was wrong with the room in the basement. Stephen begins to tell Michael of the voices he hears along with their sister Stephanie's experience seeing a woman in her bedroom mirror. He described how the woman looked in the mirror to his brother, how she had a long face with her arms wide open like she was trying to give Stephanie a hug. And by the way, mirrors are portals for anybody that needs to know. Michael was engaged by the stories his brother was telling, and he replied back with how cool it was that they are living in an old funeral home. That is haunted. He then persisted to say to Stephen, Wouldn't it be cool if this were where they embalmed the bodies? Furthermore, (laughs) the day turned to night and it was time for everyone to go to bed. Stephen (laughs) waits for his brother Michael to make the first move to go down to the basement. The family always after dinner each night. They would sit by the TV in the living room, watch a show before they went to bed. As the two of them end up walking down the stairs to their bedroom, Michael turns back around to go and brush his teeth. Stephen is now all alone in their bedroom where Stephen originally heard the whispering voices. He grabs his Walkman and headphones and turns on some music while laying down on his bed while waiting for Michael. While he is drowning out the fear of being alone, Stephen stares through the French doors where Stephen's room was supposed to be. While he looks at the doors, he sees a shadow-like figure. He sees a transparent young man with sunken in eyes and black hair. He got so frightened, he ran upstairs and screamed to his parents what he saw. Moreover, as Stephen persists to tell his family what he saw, his father became very angry and stormed down into the basement. His father scoped out the basement, and when he came back up, he stated to his son, nothing was down there. Stephen yet again gets disciplined to keep to himself of what goes on in the house. Michael looks at his brother and stated how no one believes him. And of course, Stephen is agitated because no one believes him. Their mother, Carmen, had noticed at her son Stephen' final week of treatment, he's been more quiet and darker. The only time she sees her son happy is when he's hanging out with his friend, Jason. Going back, Jason is a neighbor that Steven got along with, and Jason thought it was pretty cool that he lived in a haunted house also. As time goes on, Carmen sees how Steven's moods start to get worse. Steven, at this point, starts to distance himself from his family due to them not believing him. Also at this time, Carmen and Al's relationship tends to get a little rocky, and they both start to drift away. In addition, as things still go bump in the night at the house, not just towards Stephen, Steph, and Michael, but now has been affecting both of his parents too. One day, Carmen was getting ready to take her son Stephen for more treatments. She had both her purse and keys on the counter where she had left them. When they were ready to head over to the hospital, both Carmen's purse and keys disappeared. Stephen and his mother end up searching the house Stephen asks his mother if she had left them downstairs in the basement. Carmen knew she has not gone down there. She ends up checking the basement and sees her purse and keys on Stephen's bed. Now, who do you think got blamed for that? Stephen. Of course. Carmen ends up going up the stairs and scowls at Stephen, blaming him for moving her things. Yet again, the day turns into night and Al ends up hearing old music and whispering, coming from the basement while he was watching TV in the living room. He goes down to where the boys are thinking they were up past curfew, but they were sound asleep. The father then walks towards the French doors and opens them. He felt how cold it was in there. He thought a window was left open, but he logically knew it wasn't that cold outside. So now this thing happened to the mom, so the mom still doesn't believe it. No, and two things happened to the mother before Michael came home, where she set the whole table and everything disappeared oh, back was like into the cab. Right? You know, it's like that hide and go seek where they hear the clapping and the snapping. Oh, no. What oh, is yeah. it? The cla- clapping and the sna- snapping and the clapping. Okay, since Al was traveling to their old home in New York for work, and then for the weekends would drive to Connecticut, his time traveling was coming to an end. Al would officially be moving into the house with his family, but he is now realizing how he doesn't know how he feels about living there. A side note to all the listeners going back to Steven's friend Jason, when he first came over, he thought it was so cool that Stephen was living in an old funeral home. Stephen took Jason into his room, where Jason also witnessed seeing the transparent man behind the French doors. So Stephen had another believer. At this point in the story, we start to put our focus back on Stephen. Stephen has so much resentment towards his family. He ends up getting punished by his father. His mother tries talking with her son, and Stephen starts telling his mother, Off. While Stephen was lying on his bed, he hears the voices whisper, Are you ready, Stephen? Stephen answers the voice and makes a deal with the voice. No. Now if you ever make a deal with the devil, name of the Father of the Son of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Yes, yeah, seriously, your spirit will be activated momentarily. As Stephen comes to realize what he has just argued to, he ends up becoming very fearful. The next day, Carmen invites her neighbor, her friend, Tanya, over for dinner. When Tanya arrived to the house and was sitting down at the table, she ended up getting startled by something she saw. Carmen approached Tanya and asked her what she had seen. Tanya replied that it was probably nothing and said to Carmen that she had to leave and could not stay for supper. Carmen was very upset of how abruptly she left and was in hysterics, constantly asking and questioning Tanya on what she saw. Now it's Christmas break for the Snedeker family, and Stephen has been progressively changing for the worse, meaning with his behavior. He ended up changing his style by wearing an upside-down cross on his clothing, listening to heavy metal bands, and being nasty towards his parents. Carmen knew it was time to get her son help. She ended up driving him to see Father Wheatley. Father Wheatley and Stephen had their session to open up and talk about what has been going on. Stephen's mother, from time to time, would follow up with Father Wheatley about her son. All he stated to Carmen was that he wasn't going into any detail, but wanted to see Stephen tomorrow. Carmen gets a phone call from her brother, stating that something horrible has happened to their father. He has been murdered. Carmen confines into her husband, Al, and states to him she needs to abruptly leave to be with her family. Now Al is completely alone with the kids. Okay, so who was murdered? Their father. Well, Carmen's father. The mom's father. Yes. Okay. So I added this in the here. The grandfather. The grandfather. Okay. I added that in there because I was like, you know what? I need to like change it up here. Now Al was alone. He disliked being alone at night due to him now hearing strange noises. He hears a dog barking every night at one corner of his house, and this is where the basement is. That night, Al faced all these situations alone. He was so fed up and severely annoyed with everything with the house. Carmen ends up coming back home, and Al and Carmen were sitting at the dining room table together with all their bills laid out everywhere. Al looked at the electric bill and ended up getting up from the table and approached both Stephen and Michael about leaving all the lights on in the basement. He ended up taking out all the bulbs due to the frustration about his kids, stating how they needed them on due to being scared. While Al was angrily taking out the bulbs, Carmen chimes in, stating to her boys that your father has laid down these new rules. Stephen replied back, he isn't my father. That evening, both boys end up falling asleep in the basement with no lights. Just complete darkness. Now, mind you, I was always scared of the motherfucking dark. And my sister didn't like any light. So I got this stupid Winnie the Pooh clock that (laughs) literally gave no light. So all you out there who were kids and scared of the dark, I preach. (laughs) Michael gets startled due to his lamp being turned on. Now, mind you, there's no bulbs in any lamp. Michael becomes startled and runs up to Al on how the light is on in the basement. Al heads down the stairs and was startled too, but a feeling he felt in the basement. He yelled at Michael to go back to bed. Al went back upstairs to his room and got into bed where he felt the bed vibrate. The same night, Stephen hears the voice again. The voice whispers to him about Al and how he's not his real father. The voice continued to whisper how he can transform Stephen into something more. Then proceeded to ask Stephen who it was, meaning the voice. Stephen replies, God. Thinks it's God. Yeah. But it's like evil. Right. So it's not God. It's not your God. It's the 666 God. It's that one. Steven stays to himself in that basement. He doesn't even leave his room anymore. He continues to listen to the voices along with now drawing in a journal, which is very dark drawings he's doing. The next day, Carmen goes over to Tanya's house. She asks Tanya why she left her house so abruptly. This is still pissing off Carmen. She stated to Carmen how she knew the history of the house and just being inside, she was uncomfortable. She looked at Tanya, stating how she was feeling wasn't crazy. Carmen states how she has been hearing voices and Stephen's behavioral changes have been too much. Tanya states how Carmen should really look into a couple who could possibly help with what has been happening in their home. Who are you going to call during this time, everybody? Ghost! The Warrens. Now I'm going to call Ghostbusters. And they're not going to do really much of anything. <laughs> Carmen took the magazine from Tanya with the Warrens' information. Carmen's sister calls asking if she would be able to watch her daughters, Laura and Mary. The first night the girls stayed over, Laura confessed to her aunt how uncomfortable she felt and how she felt there was something there in the house. To everyone listening, I am putting out a warning to part of the story to our listeners. That night, Stephen ends up getting possessed by the voices in the basement. They tell Stephen and make Stephen to molest his younger cousin, Mary. Laura catches Stephen before he got any further. Laura then screams for her Aunt Carmen, who swoops in and calls the cops on her son. Stephen got arrested that night and went to juvie. The yeah. demon possessed. So Steven. it was his body, but someone else made controlling him. it. We which I'll that. get more into detail of this demon. Come further. Stephen had to speak with the psychiatrist about his actions and behavior. While Stephen was in juvie, Carmen, Al, and the kids feel and hear three loud bangs inside the house. Al walks around the outside of the house and finds nothing. While Al was outside. The phone rings. Carmen answers the phone, and Tanya was on the other end, stating to Carmen if she was aware of the glowing woman upstairs. She looks angry. Carmen thought Tanya was joking about the woman, as Tanya states that she really sees a glowing woman. Now, mind you, I told you that there was a rental upstairs. There was literally a family who lived upstairs above the Snedeker family. Which is weird, because in the movie... It's just a whole hole. house, yeah. Right. False. Hollywood. What Hollywood? Hollywood ruins everything. The only thing that's actually in front of that colonial home is that hanging, ugly tree. And I'll get to that a little later on. Carmen runs outside to tell Al, who doesn't see the woman, and was annoyed at Tanya for scaring them with the glowing woman, because when Al looked up into the house, no one was there. Laura, Carmen's niece, goes into the bathroom as she felt hands touch her body. It took off her clothes and Laura had no control of the it in the house. She screams so loud for help, Al and Carmen came running. Al tried to open up the bathroom door, but it was locked. Al tries to knock down the door and drops to, to the floor, screaming in agony that he's been stabbed. The house makes the loud noises again, and the lights start flashing. At this point in the story, we can tell that the whole family is in a panic. Carmen shouts to Al how the police can't help and how, at this point, they need a priest in their home. Was he actually, like, bleeding? No, the spirit, like... Scraped him? Yeah, like, poke you know, and they poke you hard and they do the damage. The next day, Father Wheatley shows up to bless the home. Father Wheatley listens to Carmen about all the things that have been occurring in the house. He looks at Carmen... Like he doesn't believe a word she is saying. As Father Wheatley leaves the home, he suggests to Carmen how it would be best that the whole family should go to therapy. Literally, what is therapy going to do? Exactly. And that's the end of part two of the Sneddecker family. But there's obviously more to come. Because one, we learn about the demon. Two, we learn more about what's going on in the home. And three, overall, I get to tell you a little juicy secret in the epilogue.